Hi, I'm Sam Payne, host of the Appleseed Podcast, and today we're bringing you one of our favorite BYU radio traditions, the BYU Radio Family Christmas. Now, the Appleseed is, of course, just one of the podcasts we produce here at BYU Radio, and we love gathering all of the BYU Radio podcast hosts around the microphones to share memories and even a little music, and we're thrilled to have you a part of it. Uh, this is uh, sort of the equivalent of the BYU Radio Campfire, isn't it? We we gather around the microphones and share Christmas stories, and it's our pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I'm Sam Payne. I'm the host of the Appleseed, and uh, and who else is in the room with me? Well, joy to the world. This is Lisa Valentine Clark <laughs> of the Lisa Show. I'm full of Christmas spirit. I love this time of year. I'm Marcus Smith, host of Constant Wonder, and I have the grand fortune of having the word wonder in the name of the show, and it fits with the Christmas season, I it think. It is. It's a Christmassy, nice, yeah, you know? right indeed. Stephen Cap Perry, host of In Good Faith, Frohlicke Kerstfest. <laughs> yeah, Merry yeah, Christmas. watch your language. <laughs> easy for you to say. Yeah, now I have to wipe my chin. <laughs> That's fantastic. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. I'm Julie Rose, host of Top of Mind. <laughs> well, we have come together to share stories and songs today of, uh, of Christmas. And uh, who wants to begin? Julie? Sure, I'll you go begin? first. It's Gladly. the jingle bells that have yeah. me. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, we are not a particularly musical family, the Roses, but I did take piano lessons all the way through my childhood up into my teenage years. I was really the only Rose kid who kind of stuck with it. Um, and I discovered the Reader's Digest Christmas songbook as I entered my teenage years, and it opened a wide world of holiday music repertoire to me because it had it was squarely within my skill level, which was nice. I could play everything in the book, and it had everything from you know joy to the world to rocking around the Christmas tree, right, and mele kaliki maka, and everything in between. So from that point forward, Christmas was my favorite piano time of year, and to my family's great chagrin, I. I could be found at the piano playing Christmas tunes from November 1st right on through <laughs> into the new year. And one year, and it really was kind of the, that, it was that music. That's when I started loving playing the piano, playing and singing along. And it just felt joyful to me. So I really enjoyed that. And one year we came into a set of percussion instruments, a maraca and a tambourine. And I don't know, it must have come from a music store or something. It was like a family gift one year, ill-advised on my parents' behalf. But most importantly, there were jingle bells on a strap in a ring so that you could, you know, hold it in your hand. Is that the original? Are the, yes, yeah, I was going to say, are these are the actual jingle bells? These are the actual jingle bells. I decided that it would be well, I couldn't get anybody, any of my siblings, to come and like play play in a nice sounding way. Like anytime any of my siblings got these things in their hands, they just made all kinds of racket. And I'm like, no, 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 we want it to sound good. Like we're the Carpenters or the uh, Partridge family, right? <laughs> no, um, they were not having it. They just wanted to make a racket. So I decided I was going to have to do it myself. And I couldn't figure out how to play the tambourine or the maracas while also playing the piano. But I figured I could potentially figure out how to get the jingle bells on my wrist and then play the piano, but have my wrist, like, move separately <laughs> in time. This is the one-man band it from was. Mary it Poppins. It was very this much the wow. kind of one-man band thing. Yeah. And I practiced this for way longer than it probably should have taken me to get this to get it so that I could have my wrist moving separately from my hands so that I could have the jingle bells going in a steady beat as I play jingle bells and rocking around <laughs> the Christmas tree. <laughs> and it became my one, um, you know, holiday trick. <laughs> party trick <laughs> and I did it all season long and it drove my parents crazy and my siblings but when I left home I took these bells with me and here they are so my jingle bells and I can still do that I can still play jingle bells and have my wrist go on its own it's uh, that's so cool the, the, the big question is do you do that frequently at home still I do it at Christmas time <laughs> Christmas remains my favorite piano time of year I'll tell you what, one, one thing that I, I, I don't the whole world doesn't know this about Julie Rose but Julie not only plays the piano and, and the jingle bells I, I mean I just learned that she plays them at the same time right <laughs> <laughs> but but Julie also is uh, is is an accordion very owner very and player. very 
very amateur yeah. accordion right. player who does yeah. not practice enough to be accomplished at it. <laughs> but but does practice enough to play for the kids at church. Yes. Yeah. Which I, is you have not lived until you've seen three year olds singing and dancing to an accordion. They, that instrument always seems so hazardous to me because your fingers get pinched <laughs> in the little webbing thing, you know? It is not at all graceful, and the kids love it. But let's... Uh, we we, we so can't, can we sing We notes? sure can, and uh, we hope that <laughs> you'll play along. I'm not piano, but I will definitely do a little jingle. <laughs> and if you're at home, help us out and sing along. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh o'er the fields we go laughing all the way <laughs> bells on bobtails ring making spirits bright what fun it is to ride and sing a slaying song tonight ho jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way oh what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way oh what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Ooh, a flourish in the horse. That's great. That's right. It will be a Merry Christmas. It's <laughs> <laughs> the last thing we do. Well, Julie, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Uh, uh, you know, music can make all the difference, can't it, at, at holiday time? And I, I, I guess I say that. With plenty of room for that to go either way, right? <laughs> my, my brother, because of me, has a rule that his, his daughters are very good piano players and they nobody in his household is allowed to play Christmas music until December 15th. <gasps> oh, Which wow. I think is That's... tragic. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. tried to bring over all my Christmas books and my jingle bells <laughs> to his teenage daughters. This brought me so much joy. And he's like, That's not allowed here. Do you, do you, do you, I, I think <laughs> people Because I ruined it. Or <laughs> <laughs> you perfected it. And to try to imitate it would be a tragedy. He's like, I can't have it. I can't have it in my house. <laughs> but people do have people do have rules. Feels very right? strongly do, about, do, do any yeah. of the rest of you have rules about like when the Christmas music yes. comes out and when it goes away? You Yes. Oh, I have a very strong rule that you celebrate Thanksgiving with and honor it with all the gust and fervor that you can. The day after Thanksgiving, we always get our tree, turn on the Christmas music, put out the Christmas decorations. Day after Thanksgiving. Day, that Friday. Can you yep. work on the Halloween and do they a little come bit down? too? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> and then what about when, when does it end for you? Then, I mean, I'll tell you New Year's Day. I start Day. getting itchy. Like, okay, it's time to clean everything, you know. All right. Strip because it down. I, I really yeah. want to, like, throw away everything. I'm, I'm going to arm wrestle you to hang in there till Epiphany. On this oh, thing. really? Wow, wow, wow. Really? You but can see, listen to oh, Last yeah, Christmas I Gave sure. You My Heart until Epiphany? You can. Just don't <laughs> let a lot of people know that you're doing it. <laughs> I, I do have a neighbor who keeps their Christmas tree up. I mean, I, I watch. I'm that neighbor that watches through the, the, the windows to see Christmas tree up until uh, Valentine's Day, and I do not approve. Well, that's because, <laughs> that's because Valentine's Day is your holiday. Yeah, so. I'm yeah. like, come on, guys, we settle need down. To get Christmas out of it's the way. It's time so for to really make celebrate room for the hearts. Yes. <laughs> what about so, you, Steve? So, so my mother has a little Christmas tree in the corner of the living room that is always there, and we don't even see it because it's just always there. But it's just the the lights get plugged in oh. af- on the day after Thanksgiving, oh. and then about New Year's Day. It gets unplugged, but and then we don't really see it, but it's there all year. We could plug it in if you we could. needed to. It could be a seasonal moment. tree too. I've seen that where yeah. you have the tree, but it's got Halloween decorations for a month, oh, and it's got wow. Thanksgiving sure. decorations for yeah. a month. Uh, uh, I've seen those. I do not approve. <laughs> and then yeah. there are ga- like I, I just learned. I think I learned last year of a game that people play, which is you know uh, you you and your friends and family members, the last one to hear for the first time. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Wins, mm-hmm. and if you if you if you if you hear it just by accident in the store mm-hmm. or something like that, you're out. So, uh, so the the last one to be exposed so just to that honor song. system. Oh, you say funny. you I just heard say it. I heard yeah. it. I'm out. Yep. Can I confess that I don't know which song you're talking about? Last Christmas, <laughs> I Marcus. gave you my heart, but the very next day you I think gave I it away. I've heard it now. This <laughs> I've heard it. Oh, guys. Now that you've revealed that, you're going to hear it a lot this season. Don't worry. And there it is. We're, we're all out. We're all out. <laughs> we're all out. <laughs> okay. Can I tell a cautionary 
Christmas Carol singing. Oh, please, please, please. I mean, you see Dickens and the carolers come and it's so sweet and there are candles and they have mufflers and and hand warmers and they're spreading Christmas cheer. And yet when carolers actually show up at my door, even though I love music and these songs, (laughs) it's quite awkward. Like... Do we smile the whole two verses? Oh, you're doing three verses. Oh, do we? Just sing along, Stephen. Oh, What's your problem? I, didn't, I, I, know, I, know. I didn't invite you in, but my dog is barking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there are so many things like that. Yeah. Could we just all work out the etiquette yeah. of when Carol? Okay. Carolers so, should sing from the sidewalk. They should not expect you to open your door. You should be able to look through the window. And I can't tell you it. how therapeutic wow. this feels this for This is me. good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you I thought like you were this. the only one, Marcus? I didn't one, know Marcus? we could have rules. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think we need yeah, some. Yeah. So I have been part of roving bands of carolers in the past in my life and had a good experience. But freshman in college, I made it into a college performing group. We were on a tour in early December and our tour director said, we need to do some service in this city where none of us had ever been in Colorado, a city called Denver that shall remain nameless. (laughs) And so we, we were told we're going to a rest home to sing Christmas songs. And I'd heard these wonderful, charming stories. I thought, oh, I've never gotten to do this. This will be delightful. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and just as we're the, the people are, are coming in, the folks who live there, and about half of them are in wheelchairs. And the, we sing a song, some people clap, some are just barely noticing that we're there. And our director, sort of in a loud stage whisper says, on the next song, pick someone out, go out, and sing to them one-on-one. And we start, and this just struck fear in my heart. I had just never really been around old people, especially old people who I didn't know if if they were cognizant. Mm. I was there, but something in my mind saw this little lady perched in in her wheelchair. I say perched because she was about as big as a little bird. She was just so Mm. thin, and she was in a little blue house dress and had like actual angel hair hair. I thought, okay, this feels like that's my lady. Here I go. And so we're all singing and spreading out. And I'm sort of leaning over right by her. (laughs) Chestnuts roasting on it. (laughs) I swear, I scared this poor woman to death. She sat up, just eyes in shock. She threw her hands in the air. And she screamed <laughs> as loud no. as she could scream. Like, I can't do it on the mic front. <laughs> but picture, like, so loud that it was louder than our group singing and everyone else. And everyone just looked. And I was standing there like, oh, 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 what that? do I do? They were, what are you doing to that lady? I didn't know what to do. So I looked at her and I said, stop that. <laughs> You know, full of compassion and cheer. And she did. She stopped and then she started breathing really quickly like. <gasps> and I thought, oh, my goodness, I've killed someone for Christmas. That's my I went to the rest home and killed. And, and I didn't know what to do. And so this nurse came running down the aisle and I'd never learned this first aid thing in Scout. She's patting her hand and she says, breathe, Stella, breathe. Like maybe Stella forgot sometimes. And it was breathe, breathe. So I join in. Breathe, breathe. And the nurse looks at me. She's like, you have done enough. (laughs) (laughs) Go go back to wherever you came from. So I go and I stand behind the choir, like far away from the people now. And we quickly start singing, silent night, holy night, all this time. And it was mostly okay. And then at the end, uh, a nurse who obviously had not seen this, as we are leaving, grabs me and said, I need you to help me take the ladies in wheelchairs up to the third floor. And I just thought, lady, I kill people. You know this, right? You don't want me to. So I grabbed the handles of wheelchair. I think I'll just lean over and choose. It was Stella. Oh, no. And I said, remain calm. I will take you to your room, Stella, and I promise I will leave and you will never see me again. So we get up to the third floor. I get to her room. It says Stella on the door. And we pull in. And I wanted to say something, like not just – See you later, skedaddle. I saw she had about five Christmas cards on her wall. And I said, looks like lots of folks are thinking of you this Christmas. And she said, you could look at my cards if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I opened the first one. It's from this certain person. I opened the next one. Same person the year before. Next card, same person Hmm. the year before, the year before. All of these cards were from one person. And I looked at her and I said, I didn't know what to say. But I thought of my grandmothers and their stories. So I said, Stella, what was your best Christmas? And she said, well, and, you know, she sort of lit up as something that she could remember came back. I was 14 and it had snowed 
And my grandfather actually came in a sleigh and collected all the cousins to his house when everyone was snowed in. Mm-hmm. And, and, she, and all I did was just sort of nod and say, oh, wow, and then what? And, oh, times have changed. Now, I am sure she forgot about me the minute I left the room. Uh, but I think of her every Christmas. Hmm. Even when the awkward carolers are at the door, there's this little bing, bing, bing. It's good to reach out, even if it feels awkward. Like I feel right now, having told this story and, <laughs> and not leading into any particular Christmas hymn, except that I do love caroling. I do love the Christmas songs. And when I sing them, I still think of her mm-hmm. and that it's good for us to reach out, even if we don't know exactly what we're going to do when we get there. Yeah. Boy, I think of, you know, you, 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 you had what you thought was going to be a momentary interaction and it, uh, it, it was a horrifying <laughs> interaction, <laughs> at least for her, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, then, and then you were sort of, circumstances sort of threw you together for a more prolonged interaction, you know? Yeah, and to you, actually get, yes. get to know her just yeah. a bit and get a clue about why she was how she is. Yeah. And, and her name was Stella, which I think is beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a Christmas name. So all warmed up now, Steve. Tell us the story of the song you brought. So I am lucky enough that I, every year for about the last 12 years, have guided tours to Israel. And I love to take people to Bethlehem, especially my groups tend to be Christian believers who have just had Christmas. We go in February because the, the winter weather is over. It's spring and green. And when we get to Bethlehem, we go to, not in Bethlehem, but down the hill is a little village called Beit Sahur which is the place of the shepherds. Now, if you remember in the New Testament, the shepherds are, they're outside of the city with their flocks. And after everything that is going to unfold does, they say, let us go up to Bethlehem and see this thing, which the angels have sung about. So Bethlehem is just about six miles from Jerusalem. And one of the things they did there was have the animals and the herds that would be for the temple sacrifices. And there were shepherd families whose job it was, they were entrusted to certify this was a firstborn lamb. They were out in the fields at the birth and they would mark them in some way that, and they were trusted to certify this was an acceptable sacrifice. And that was their job. I've always thought, why the shepherds? It's because their job was to testify of the appropriate sacrifice the Lamb of God. So the angels come and they not only do they sing about these good tidings, they say, they tell them, go and see the child. This shall be a sign. You'll find the child lying in a manger, swaddled in clothing, which they sometimes did with, with a new lamb as well. Their job, which they had been symbolically doing for generations in their family, was to watch for that appropriate firstborn. And now they get to do in real life what they have been doing symbolically for centuries. They go, they see the baby, and then it says they went out and they told all the people. They went and did their job to testify they had seen the Lamb of God. So I love to take people to that place, tell them why the shepherds, why the angels came to the shepherds, and the shepherds did their their duty, and we can be there today and still see, we look down as we sing this, and see shepherds and their sheep still among the olive trees down there in the hills right below. So I especially love to sing this far, far away in Judea's plains, although when we're there, we usually sing not far away. (laughs) Not far away in Judea's plains. (laughs) Oh, wow, that's great. Pretty close by. (laughs) That's really great. Far, far away on Judea's plains Shepherds of old heard the joyous praise. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. A 
moment ago, you heard Stephen Cap Perry, host of the podcast In Good Faith. And before that, Julie Rose, host of the podcast Top of Mind. Both shared some musical Christmas memories. And there's a lot more to come. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you for a BYU Radio Family Christmas. Now, when we say the BYU Radio Family, we're talking about a pretty large group of people, not just the hosts and producers of our podcast, but an army of students who research, write, help with marketing, and more. We want to introduce you to more of our family as they share some of their favorite holiday traditions. I'm Michael Combs. I'm an assistant producer on The Lisa Show. And one of my favorite Christmas traditions is me and my siblings will play a game of sorry together in our bedroom while we're, our parents are making hot chocolate and pumpkin bread. I'm Becca Hurley and I'm a producer for The Lisa Show. My Christmases were so odd and it was usually just a gathering of my big Jewish family and so we would have this delicious breakfast of lox and bagels and it was wonderful. My name is Ben Hall, and I work on the Deep Blue podcast. A tradition that I love that my family does is seeing the lights at the Festival of Lights on Christmas Eve. So I'm Katarina Martinich, and I work for In Good Faith. I'm a student producer. Back home in Chile, we don't wait till the next day to open the gifts. So it was always a funny tradition that my mom would say, oh, go outside to see if like Santa Claus is around. And then we would go walk outside for a bit and then come back and all the gifts were there. So she'd always be like, you guys missed him. <laughs> I'm Tannery Taylor. I'm a producer of Constant Wonder. Uh, when I was growing up, my mother made really fancy gingerbread houses. She would sell them in local stores. She would make custom like replicas of your own house. And so gingerbread houses were a really big deal in our family. When I started having kids, I wanted to continue this tradition, um, but my kids did not want to stick to a script. We would buy the kits and then we would cut them up and use them as we needed. So we did Santa's airport, we did castles, we did Santa's workshop, and they just had so much fun turning candy into toys and packages. Hi, my name is Brian Tanner, and I am the producer of the Appleseed podcast and the Kaboom podcast. So my mom grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She brought with her the tradition of lighting luminarias on Christmas Eve. Every year, we would line both sides of our driveway and then the little walkway going up to our door with luminarias and light them up. She had a really beautiful explanation for what the luminarias meant to her. She said that she had learned as a little girl that they were to light the path for the Christ child to find your home. And so if you had luminarias outside of their, your house, then that meant this is a home where Christ is welcome. And though there wasn't room for him at the inn in Bethlehem, if he had come to my house, I would have made room for him. What are some of your favorite holiday traditions? We hope as you gather with the ones you love this season that you'll swap memories too. We're going to get back around the microphones with our podcast hosts now. Up next, Marcus Smith, the host of the Constant Wonder podcast, followed by Lisa Valentine Clark of The Lisa Show. Here's Marcus. Well, um, you know, I'm a word guy and I have had occasion to take texts and try to mix and match and put music with these words or these words with music. That's an old tradition that goes way back in the, the hymnody in the Americas. There's a lot of mixing that would happen. So you, you have this fellow named Isaac Watts, really well known as a, as a hymnodist, just prolific in his output. And he writes this text, Joy to the World. And it, it descends down to us through different avenues and roads. And it just so happens that as a Latter-day Saint, the text I received was not the text as he wrote it. It had been altered for the occasion, for the people, for the time, for the, you know, the, the milieu of, of the, the people who would be singing it, which would have been Latter-day Saints in the middle of the you know, 1800s. Well, I have a preference. And my preference is to revert to the, to the Isaac Watts attention to heaven and nature because in my – all of my, my view of what happens at the nativity has to do with just this intense, uh, ironic situation of the infant who is helpless and small being the creator of the universe. And that 
scenario puts Jesus not just as a savior for, say, humanity, but having some say over everything, including the trees and the fields and the rocks. And uh, yes, in my Latter-day Saint version of this hymn, we did get the fields in there. We got the rocks, and I think there were some rills in there. Um, But I love the fact that in the chorus, Isaac Watts said, let heaven and nature sing. So we're talking about heaven and earth. It's not, it's not just angels and, and people, but it's, it's the trees as well. And, and uh, I'm going to just briefly just point out, if you want to have a really good time in the Old Testament, go to Psalm number 96. Because in that, that it's not a Christmas text per se, um, but it reminds me of Joy to the World. And for sure, Marcus, I got to say, every time I open the Old Testament, I'm looking for a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same. Go to the Psalms and you will not be disappointed. Um, Sing unto the Lord a new song, uh, unto the Lord. All the earth is a phrase that shows up there. And then let heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea, you know, the crashing of the waves up against the rocky coast, Let, let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, let the field be joyful and all that is therein then shall all the trees, and I love trees and plants, then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. That is in the text that I'm hoping Samuel allow us to sing the way Isaac Watts crafted it. Oh, good heavens. That, it, wow. there, 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 there's no allowing or not allowing. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. <laughs> okay. yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, but, and we'll have all of our Christmas trees down by the first of right. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but before we sing, Marcus, you know, right now, Constant Wonder, the show of which you are the host, is uh, engaged in a celebration of Advent. Right? There's a, a, a little something in celebration of this time uh, every day from constant wonder. And one of the things about which you and I have conversed a little bit is, is some of the ways in which, uh, in which some of your guests m- maintain some of the very things that you're talking about in their thoughts through their own Christmas time traditions. You're kind of preaching right? my gospel, actually, yeah, aren't yeah, you? Here? And, yeah. and the thing that's beautiful about this, they're not making it up. Yeah. They're seeing parallels between the seasonal cycles of what the earth goes through and then the, the quiet that comes just before the, the solstice yeah. and how that converges in our traditions. But the, almost every uh, culture that I know of pulls in animals, plants, rocks, mountain, sky, uh, rainbows, you, you name it. All of these phenomena from nature as having the aspect of the sacred about them, if you choose to look at it that way. And many of our guests in the Advent series do that specifically in the Christmas season. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart Lisa Valentine Clark. That's Tell me. us a Christmas story. You bet. I think that for a lot of parents, Christmas time is a mixture of this magical childlike wonder that you want to create for your family as well as sort of frazzled chaos <laughs> in trying to create said magical moments and events. And that was certainly me, especially at the beginning of my motherhood journey. And one particular Christmas, I found myself trying harder than ever to create these moments for my kids, which you can tell where this is going to (laughs) go. Because it seems to me a lesson that I've learned, at least in motherhood, is is the harder you try, sort of the less your kids will care (laughs) 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 and miss the mark. It could just be me. But I uh, found myself living in England uh, with my husband, who at the time was going uh, uh, through a master's program. And I wanted to create something special. We were away from home. We were in, yes, an English-speaking land, but everything else seemed so foreign. I was homesick. I was uh, was very homesick for the 
creature comforts of my own home and my own tradition and the traditions that I was used to in either Nebraska or Utah, the smells and sights and sounds and and things that made uh, up my memories. And I wanted to be able to pass that on to my children. And at the time, my two oldest, Miles and Owen, were three and one. So very little. And even looking back now, because now they're in their 20s, I think, why did I worry so much? <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even remember. But this particular Christmas made me feel that everything had been just simplified, right? Uh, But not the way that I wanted it to. And uh, on Christmas Eve, our local congregation for our church had a a musical performance and I thought, oh, this is this is it. This is what's going to get me back into the Christmas spirit and really create a core memory for my children because uh, their father and I just love music so much and it's a big part of who we are. Now, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have the same plans that I did, <laughs> even though I clearly communicated it to them, <laughs> that this was going to be a time for us to be reverent and to listen to this beautiful Christmas music. (laughs) And my husband, Christopher, is a very accomplished pianist. And so, of course, he was playing the organ and the piano back and forth. So it was just me and um, the two kids. And my one-year-old, now since been diagnosed with ADHD, (laughs) was very, very active. Um, A local uh, column writer came out, who was a a friend, came out to visit us and wrote an article about his experience visiting us and described Owen uh, saying that he had bees in his head and the bees were crazy. (laughs) So that's... That that made the column. That made the column in print, the first description in print of Owen. (laughs) So I found myself, like I did most Sundays, chasing... Um, Owen up and down as, as, as Owen would just do laps up and down the hall and having fun and being helpful and knowing that I couldn't go in to the room and partake of all of this great Christmas music. And I was kind of feeling a little sorry for myself, like, I don't want this just for me, but I want this for Owen too. I want, you know, him to be able to, to, to feel this Christmas music and poor little Miles too, who's three years old and, oh, wait, where's Miles? So I had this this panic as I was taking care of myself, a panic that I have since come very, become very familiar with, which is, you know, counting your children, where are they? One, two, three, four, five. And uh, at that time, it was one, two, wait. Uh, and I just had this panic, scooped up Owen and, and to look for Miles. I went in very um, qu- as quiet as I could in the back of the chapel where this beautiful Christmas music was playing and walked up to see Miles sitting on the very front row, his little legs dangling, little just chubby, blonde, bright-eyed three-year-old with, you know, just by himself, but kind of near his dad who was playing the organ, singing his heart out, singing every word. And I had no idea he knew every word to hark the herald angel sing. (laughs) And it took my breath away. And even Owen (laughs) was quiet at that point. And Owen was resting his head on my shoulder. And I was just watching with awe and wonder at this three-year-old who I had tried so hard and desperately to create a magical Christmas moment (laughs) for, who found his own magical Christmas moment and actually was absorbing a lot more than I had given him credit. And boy, isn't that true? You know, like a little child teaching me that I didn't have to worry and be so anxious and stressed that it was unfamiliar, but that this hymn was the same hymn that I had sung as a little girl, that I had sung as a teenager um, with my friends in church, that I had sung um, to my children and here in an unfamiliar place was still that comfort. 
And Miles knew it, and he knew the power of that music, and he was transformed in it just smiling. And I could just—it made me very emotional. And I looked at Chris, and he was playing, like, looking down, like, do you see Miles? (laughs) And so it has been, what, 23 years since that Christmas. And every time I hear this song, I think— of the power of Christmas music and this sweet little three-year-old boy who who knew the the transcendent power of, of music and of this particular song. We'll sing it for miles. Thank you. <laughs> Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy God and sinners reconciled, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Tell us a story. I, yeah. <laughs> Most of your life in church, you spend in the congregation, and you look up at the, 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 the clergy and the organ and all of the stuff on the rostrum, and that's sort of how you experience church, you know. And every once in a while, you get a church job that puts you on the other side of that, right, that has you sitting on the rostrum and looking down at the congregation. Uh, you do that if you're if you're leading the music, you do that. If you're in the church leadership, you know, and every once in a while you get a job like that. And I had a job like that one time. And it was my favorite thing in the whole world to look out at the congregation as they sang the hymns. And uh, especially maybe Christmas hymns. That, 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 that there, there is a thing that you can see on the faces of people who are singing hymns. You know, that's really a wonderful thing to see. And I remember uh, looking out into the congregation one Sunday at Christmas time and seeing a friend of mine, a friend of mine from our neighborhood who was at that time in a period of unemployment. I knew how hard it was on him. I knew how how hard he had looked for a job at Christmas time. And there he was uh, sitting in the congregation and it came time to open the hymn book and sing uh, the first Noel. And I found myself just sort of watching him as he opened the hymn book and sang uh, the first Noel, the angel did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. And it just undid me. I saw saw in my friend, (laughs) according to the hymn, the first person who was given the good news of Jesus, right? I, I, that, that notion of that news coming first to poor shepherds just undid me. And to watch him sing that song with faith and with hope and with perseverance and with the promise that the news of the, the, the good news of Jesus would come perhaps to him first. And that has always seemed a miracle for me. The first Noel the angels did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields where they lay Keeping their sheep On a cold winter's night That was so
So fun to share memories and sing with some of the people I work with every day. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? What is it? Is there a memory embedded in that song? Here are a few more favorites from our BYU radio family. So every year at the beginning of December, my dad gets down to the piano and he plays this rhapsodic interpretation of this old song, Star of the East, with these big rolled chords. Ring, 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 Star of the East. And it's beautiful and I love it. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but truly the only correct pronunciation would have to be my grandmother's uh, Boston accent. Adeste fidelis lady triumphantes. And it talks about how the fishes in the river rejoice to see the Savior come with his mother Mary. Beveni, beveni, vuelven a beber los peces en el río por ver a Dios nacer. As shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground. Oh, it is just the most beautiful musical phrase. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Tradition to like sing and dance uh, for the parents during Christmas time. And it brings back memories of that time. Campana sobre campana. My favorite Christmas song is In the bleak midwinter Icy wind made moan Earth stood hard as iron Water like a stone It may seem like a rather mournful song to be my favorite, but I love the vivid imagery. And I've had times in my life that felt like this. It's just so comforting to know that a small and vulnerable baby came and changed everything. Christmas is such a wonderful time of year, but sometimes even among the good cheer of Christmas time, it's easy to feel lonely or discouraged. What do you do? Well, sometimes a story can help. Here's one. This is a story of college friends, Alfred and Arthur. They went to Cambridge together. They wrote poems together and planned to publish a book of poetry in both their names. It was one of those rare friendships that come along only a few times in a person's life. And it was all too brief. On a trip to Europe in Vienna, resting on a couch after an evening walk with his father, Arthur had a stroke breathed his last. He was 33 years old. Alfred got the news of Arthur's passing in a letter from Arthur's father. The letter read, in part, May that being in whose hands are all the destinies of man, and who has promised to comfort all that mourn, pour the balm of consolation on all the families who are bowed down by this unexpected dispensation. Well, in the time that followed, Alfred looked for the promised comfort. He really did. He longed for it, but it was a long time in coming. Because Alfred was a poet, he began to write a poem to work out his feelings for the loss of his friend. It was a poem that would take him 17 years to write. The poem is 2,916 lines long. Now, the poet, Alfred, you may know as Alfred Lord Tennyson, poet laureate of England for much of the reign of Queen Victoria. The poem for his friend, Arthur Hallam is among his most famous. In Memoriam, it's called. And in the poem, you can almost feel the grief and sorrow through which the poet fights for comfort. He writes, I stretch lame hands of faith and grope and gather dust and chaff and call to what I feel is Lord of all and faintly trust the larger hope. Ever faint is the hope of which Tennyson writes in his poem. But then, Christmas over 17 years and 2,916 lines, you got to believe that at least some little part of the poem will be about Christmas, and it will. But even the Christmas parts of the poem begin bleakly, like this. With trembling fingers did we weave the holly round the Christmas hearth. A rainy cloud possessed the earth, and sadly fell our Christmas Eve. Well, maybe you've felt like Tennyson did. And maybe you've been lifted up when you're down on the wings of a Christmas song. Alfred was. 
after the stanza about weaving the holly round the Christmas hearth with trembling fingers, comes another part about singing Christmas songs. It goes like this. Then echo-like our voices rang. We sung, though every eye was dim, a merry song we sang with him last year. Impetuously we sang. The poem goes on, and they who mourn the passing of their dear friend sing and sing. And finally, as if in a crescendo, the poem says, Rise, happy morn, rise, holy morn, draw forth the cheerful day from night. O Father, touch the east, and light the light that shone when hope was born. It's no mistake that Christians in our part of the world choose to celebrate the birth of the Christ child just a few days after the year's longest night, just as the face of the world begins to turn back from what seems an incontrovertible winter. The world itself, like us, yearns for the light. In difficult times, we may reach out to God to dispel the loneliness and sorrow we may feel. And sometimes that prayer is answered with an invitation to us to reach out to one another, to reach out in kindness and care. For all those who might be waiting for the distant light, for the clouds to break for the sun to shine again for all those who might be waiting through a fearful night for hope to come awake like the coming of a friend though the winter wears you thin draw your neighbors in light your fire and gather them around because Christmas is a time, Christmas is a time for lifting up the hands that hang down. Oh, the baby in the manger brought a burden born, brought a fear undone, brought a finding of the way. To the brother and the stranger, ever tempest-torn, He would guide you on to the coming of the day. Like the star up in the sky, lift your light up high, Even when the darkness seems to hold the ground. Because Christmas is a time, Christmas is a time for lifting up the hands that hang down. Oh, his gentle power leads you right to where he needs you. And the comfort he has promised, it ever can be found by reaching out at Christmas time. Oh, for Christmas is a time for lifting up the hands that hang down. For lifting up the hands that hang down. It's been such a pleasure to share music and memories with you on this edition of the BYU Radio Family Christmas. And there's a part of this time together that's become kind of a tradition for us, reading together the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son 
and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant soul. Tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Thanks so much for joining us for this year's BYU Radio Family Christmas. From all of us to all of you, we wish you the merriest of Christmases. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. <laughs> the Apple Seed is produced by Wendy Folsom, Sam Payne, and Brian Tanner. Our audio engineers are Ashton Parkinson and Carly Wilson. The rest of the Apple Seed team is Kelly Wehrmeister, Trent Horton, Evadane Hendricks, Miriam Arce, and Tristan Schetzel. A special thanks to the subscribers of our podcast who rate us or leave reviews. You help people find the show. We also love to receive emails at theappleseed at byu.edu. Your thoughts and comments help us to shape the future of The Apple Seed. We're pleased and proud to be among the many podcasts produced by the BYU Radio family. And you can find episodes of The Apple Seed wherever podcasts are found, on the BYU Radio app or at byuradio.org slash appleseed. I'm Sam Payne. And the whole team can't wait to be with you again on the Apple Seed.